I was like, why would you want to search my car? Like, is there probable cause? Do you have any reasonable suspicion that I'm, I'm doing anything? Yeah. Like, no smoke is coming out of nothing. Yeah. And he was like, because I can do that. I was like, why? Like, why do you think you can do that? And he was like, because I can. And he was like, well, if you don't want me to search a car, I'm going to go get the dogs. And I was like, the dog? <laughs> well, I, got, I mean, I got a dog. <laughs> I have a dog right here in the back seat. He's like, well, put your dog up. I'm going to get it. I said, sir, I'm just letting you know, I was a former cop. Yeah. I said, you know what you're doing is wrong. He got so upset, he threw my license at me. Mm -hmm. Hi, I'm Raina Cahill. This is the Rain or Shine podcast, and today I'm interviewing Dominique Lloyd. Um, we were in the National Guard together. She's still in. Um, and we're going to kind of be discussing, you know, some personal things about her life uh, regarding Black Lives Matter and some other things, too. So uh, thank you for coming on the show today, Danny. You're welcome. <laughs> you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. Um... Dominique Lloyd, as she said, uh, I'm 34 years old, born and raised in Montgomery, Alabama. Um, I now reside in uh, Metro Atlanta. Um, I've been there for about nine years. Um, and again, like she said, we've met uh, in the National Guard. And we've been like this since. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, is it anything more personal you want me? Um, I mean, well, like you would probably kind of consider us like unlikely friends. Like if you saw us out mm -hmm. and about, like that was one of the first things that I think you mentioned mm -hmm. whenever we were hanging out together. You're like, people would never see us together if we hadn't met under these circumstances. Because in the National Guard, just like any part of the military, it's predominantly male. Mm -hmm. So females are far, you know, few and far between. So, <clears throat> um... And then also it being an airborne unit, like mm -hmm, it, definitely. It, way less female. So um, we were kind of pushed together just because of our gender kind of in a way. And we were in the, the same platoon because we were both fuelers. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm so glad that that kind of happened because like our friendship is something that's really unique to me because mm -hmm. I started to like you introduced me to like the side of things that I didn't understand. Like mm -hmm. you were patient enough with me when I first started learning about the struggles of people of color, you were patient enough to explain that to me, to, um, to like give me that insight. And you never got frustrated with me because I didn't understand, which right. was a big deal because, and, and not that it's anybody's fault. I feel like a lot of times when a black person and a white person are having that conversation about racism, systemic racism, blatant racism, any of it. Um, if the white person doesn't understand, I think in general, like black people are kind of just exhausted, you mm -hmm. know, trying to defend their side, trying to explain things because I mean, you've probably had to repeat yourself even with me like a million times. No, I think the difference between you and a lot of people uh, a lot of people that don't want they don't want to understand you were so what drew me to you is because you were so open-minded mm -hmm. and you wanted to learn a lot of people just like make excuses and like you're in this position because you want to be in this position and they don't see things from a different perspective so for me 
and like knowing you and getting to know you, you were so open-minded. So with that being said, I don't, you know, I have no issue explaining for someone that's open-minded. If you just close-minded and you want to think things your way, then it's nothing. That's exhausting. Yeah. That's exhausting. It's a fight. It's like a battle you'll never win, you know? Right. So... But I think still, like, and I appreciate that. Like, I I do like to consider myself Mm -hmm. open-minded. And part of the reason, like, I want to do this podcast is because I want to kind of bridge that gap between people who aren't necessarily reluctant, but, I mean, they don't have a Danny to to explain it to them. Like, they haven't been fortunate enough to meet a Danny uh, or a Dominique. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, a Lloyd <laughs> to, to be patient enough with them to explain right. things. And, um, so I just kind of wanted to be able to share that insight and bridge mm-hmm. that gap with, with people. Um, and, and kind of just introduce that whole concept in, in a, in a friendly way, not to be too pushy or anything like that. Right. So, um, so yeah, like the, the whole like unlikely friends thing, I always thought that was really funny. And it kind of became where when we were at drill, it was always like me and then a group of black people. And I was like, <laughs> and at first I was like, I, I noticed it. And I think like everybody else around noticed uh-huh. it. everybody's like, oh, you know, here's Cahill, the only black one. <laughs> when I, or the only white one, I mean. Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, you know. But that says like, a lot about you, about you, though, because it's like a, a hidden thing, but like. It's really segregated. Like it is. You will see if you go to drill or you go to a, a um, army drill or wherever, like training or whatever, you'll see white people here, black people. Not that they're just used to that, their yeah. culture. And that's what draws them, like, even with me. Like, right. I got more in common with a black person than I do a white person. Mm-hmm. And they're not always receptive to just want to be my friend and just be cool or whatever. So you'll see that separation, which right. is, I think is horrible, but it's just, I mean, one day it would change, like yeah. with us, you know? Right. When people see more of that, they'll venture out a little more, but that's just how it's been since I've been, I've been in the military for 14 years. So every unit I've been to has been like that. Right. Yeah. And I think that, and I think it was, it was just funny how like in the beginning it was like, I stood out and then it kind of became like. I remember one day, it was one of my last drills, Mm -hmm. and we were walking around a building. There was a group of us, and I was the only white one. And somebody's like, ah, Cahill, the only white one again. And I was like, oh, I didn't even notice. Like, I don't (laughs) notice anymore because it's just like I got to wear, like, because there are cultural differences. Mm -hmm. I mean, to say there aren't would be ridiculous. Um, There are cultural differences, so at first you're just hypersensitive to everything that's, that's different. And then it was like, well, then I realized how much I have in common with like you and like other people, like that culture, like how much Mm -hmm. I had in common with everybody. And it was like, you just have to kind of find those common interests and, Mm -hmm. and that, that, that common ground. And then you'll realize like, they're not that different. (laughs) Even if you feel like you don't have anything in common, it's like, try to learn the other person's culture. Like, you know, I, I have no problem sitting down with a you know majority white people and just learning what they like you know right and it's just interesting to me like the difference how I was raised how they were raised Mm -hmm. and I might 
like some of the things that they like to do. But if I never put myself in that position, I would never know. Right. I think it's somewhat of people are scared to see different things on different perspectives. And so if you're just open-minded like you are, mm-hmm. then you just, you learn that we ha- we really do have more in common than what you yeah may think, you know. Yeah. Um, so kind of tell me about like growing up, like you, you don't have to say exactly what school, but what was your school like growing up, the neighborhood you grew up in, your parents, like careers and everything like that. Like if you can. Okay. Um, so I was raised in the projects. So I was born and raised in Montgomery, Alabama. My mom, my, her mom lived in, in the projects and then when she, she started having kids. She lived in the projects. And it's just like a generational thing until it stopped after, you know, a while. So none of my family live in projects now. But during that time, that's where poor, a poor neighborhood. Like, yeah. so um, the education wasn't that well. I, I literally was telling you the other day, like, I don't remember learning much right. in school, especially about black history. Neither do you. But yeah. you don't, uh, I think the the passion lack is a lack of passion for teachers in like um, neighborhoods like that, like our school. And, and, and during that time, wherever you're zoned, right, like in the neighborhood, that's where you go. So you're not with other, it's not diverse at all. Right. You know, so, um, most, you know, so that's, that's just how. I was raised until I was probably 16. My mom got married. We moved to the east side of town. East side of town is, you know, have, it's moving on up. <laughs> east side, moving on up. So, um, <laughs> but I still went to a school because I started out um, my high school in a school and I didn't want to leave. So I stayed there mm-hmm. in a, you know, a poor, poor part of town. So from kindergarten to my 12th grade, that's where, that's all I know. I never went to a a school where it was diverse at all. So, um, my mom, she, uh, she didn't even, she didn't finish high school. Mm-hmm. Um, so she has a GED. And my dad wasn't in the picture um, until I was like in high school. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really know him. And still after he was in the picture, it's after, after you know, you don't come around for so long, you can't find that connection with someone after they haven't been there that long. So I didn't have really a relationship with him, like no, not like a deep like connection with him until, you know, my mom got married mm-hmm. and I had a stepdad. He was there, you know, literally my mom met my stepdad when, he, when I was two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he was in and out of my life. So I knew him. He was a Vietnam veteran. Um, so pretty much that's my whole story when it comes to, uh, parent, where I live, where, uh, school I went to, the education. I mean, I do have my, uh, college degree. Mm -hmm. So, um, I had, I played basketball, um, in college. I went to the military. Um, I got my bachelor's, you know, some of my master's, not done with that yet, but, so, I mean, I made it out. A lot of people don't, but a lot of people stop. I mean, educational, it doesn't mean that much. Like, it does, but you can still, like, be successful without. Right, absolutely. But 
how did you get to college? Did you use your military benefits? Did you did you have like use loans? What did you do? <laughs> My first two years of college, I did get a basketball scholarship, so cool. I didn't have to use anything. But after two, I I went to a junior college, so after two years, I mean, I was getting offers for private college and I was like that makes no sense I mean I still would have to pay so much so that's when I decided to um, go to the military and the military pretty much paid I still got I still had to get loans because the college I went to was a private college and they don't pay all of it right so um yeah that's how I afforded school right do loans and the military okay cool yeah um let's see I know that like the military was a big part. What's your degree in? Human resources. I never used it before. <laughs> <laughs> never used a degree in my life, but it does look good on my resume. I mean, it, it, it honestly <laughs> can apply to a lot of things. Yeah. Like the human resources. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but my master's is in um, uh, criminal justice. So I right. was a police officer for four years. Yes. And yes. so when I decided to go to... Uh, get my master's that's what I wanted but I'm no longer doing it so it's kind of a waste of money I mean well I mean you might still be able to do something with the criminal justice even if it wasn't necessarily like police work and I I mean with honestly I didn't mean to cut you off mm -hmm. with things the way they are right now and they're trying to so many places are trying to defund the police Mm -hmm. and we'll get more into depth about that but like I don't think that defunding the police police <laughs> would be such a bad idea, you guys. <laughs> I don't think that defunding the police would be such a bad idea um, because, uh, and, and not to like, I think that, I think that the police force is, is important. I do mm-hmm. believe that law enforcement is important, but some points that I have heard being made is that the police are used for every single anything. Anything, You yes. know, like they, like if there's a mental health crisis, my, mm-hmm. my aunt, she is schizophrenic. And um, when I, like I was actually having to kind of be her caretaker for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. And when she would have an episode, like she was, she was delusional schizophrenic. So hers would be, she is imagining that the people are after her and there are people in the attic. So she would try to run away or she would try to like threaten people. And it was very dangerous, but she's not in her right mind. Mm -hmm. And honestly, like I grew up with her my entire life being, being not having those schizophrenic episodes. Mm -hmm. It was just like two years ago that her medicine stopped working and she started having them again. So, um, so knowing that I had to call the police, they don't know what to do in the event of a mental health crisis. I mean, they get, I mean, because I was police, I know they get a quick training on it and it's not enough. It's not enough. Like police are even trained enough to know how to deescalate situations, um, in the least bit. Right. And that's why a lot of these things are happening because... They're not de-escalating. No. They are going straight for force. Yes. And it's not... But that's what they're trained to do, and they don't... They're not trying to do that? <laughs> they're trying to de-escalate the situation. Really? But I don't think the training is intense enough. Uh, enough right. 
So, you know, you give these people gun and badges and now they think they're above the law and they're above all things. They right. Have this attitude. Sense of superiority. Mm-hmm. And so that that doesn't go hand in hand when you're trying to be empathetic to the people that's calling the police. For, you know, like, right. you know, it's, it's hard. You lack it. You know, you can't understand it. If right. you just, in your mind, like... I can I can understand like I've was a police so I don't like when I got my gun in bed I'm like you know, <laughs> you know like you don't do this to the police you yeah know? you know well you get it I mean it's it's honestly it's kind of like human nature mm-hmm. to for lack of a better phrase abuse power mm-hmm. like you get it and you're you're used to it and I mean in the military it's kind of similar like I was never put in a position of power necessarily mm-hmm. but when you're in uniform just it's absolutely true that you get certain privileges. Right. Like you'll go into somewhere and, and it's normal for people to thank you for your service and it's normal for people to try and offer you discounts on things. And even if we don't want those things, even if it's like we're not asking for that, mm-hmm. it's it's so normal to us. So sometimes, like if you ever went somewhere and someone was to like be like, hey, military guy, fuck you. You would be like, what? I've never heard that before as a military personnel. Like, it's not common, especially Mm -hmm. in the South. People are very pro-militia, you know, military, everything. So, um... So it's like, it's, you just get this mindset. Like when I'm in uniform, people love me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like when you're in, in a police uniform, you're like, when I'm in this police uniform, people respect me because they have to. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I, like I said, I do agree with law enforcement. Mm-hmm. I disagree with, with, um, with the, you know, the, the everything the brutality and the the escalating Mm -hmm. that they've been doing lately with the protests i disagree with that and then i think that defunding the police or at least restructuring the police would be a very very good thing so rather than than sending police out to an a demet like a um like a mental health issue call or something like that that's my favorite one to use because i've seen it firsthand Mm -hmm. you you know you would send somebody you might send the police as you know, security for this other, you know, mental health certified person, like a therapist or a psychologist or something like that. Somebody that knows. With that being said, like I, I recall, at, um, I had went from APD to Smyrna Police Department. So very, it's smaller than, of course, Atlanta is a big, big city. Mm-hmm. So um, we had a call about, she may have had dementia or I don't know, but she was, you know, being just. Dis- she was like acting up in um, yeah. CBS. So we had a call. I was doing field training at this point because I switched. So you have to do field training there. And the field trainer, he was so rude and nasty to this lady. And I'm like, what if that was your, you know, your, your grandma yeah. or somebody in your family? Would you want, like, I was like, you just gonna let her walk in the middle of the road. You don't care. You just being rude. And, um, that's when he thought, I was like, but you're probably doing this all the time. Yeah. Like, that's why I think what you're saying is important. We don't, I mean, they do not need to go to calls like that. Right. At all. Exactly. Although it can get hostile, I just feel like they can be there for that reason in case it get hostile, but to de-escalate the situation and get them the right care, what would you need the police for? Right. For a, for a mental health situation like right. that, like there's really no need especially if they're not being actively violent. Mm-hmm. And um, it's kind of similar, like my aunt, when she would be in an episode. Now, 
for people who don't know people personally with schizophrenia or they haven't looked into it. Because I don't know anything about it. You know, so, I was and, a cop. So. And schizophrenia is like a huge right. like blanket term for a lot of mental health disabilities like mm-hmm. truthfully it's a it's a blanket term there are different types of schizophrenia different types of OCD all that stuff so with my aunt specifically like the delusional kind where they're feeling threatened mm-hmm. they feel like people are after them you have to and you and as a as a person that's not experiencing this or hasn't seen it firsthand it's hard to understand but mm-hmm. what they believe is happening is it's happening right, in happen, their yeah. head and so what i would see police do all the time is blow her off like mm-hmm you know, she's like, this and this is happening, they would be like, no, it's not. Or they would roll their eyes or they would huff and puff. And for her, that's really, one, it's hurtful. Mm-hmm. You know, she she feels like people are after her. She feels, right. she feels a sense of paranoia because in her mind, which your mind is everything. So if it's happening in your mind, it's happening outside, you okay. know? So like when she feels like somebody's after her and people are blowing her off saying, no, they're not, or I don't believe you, or that mm-hmm. didn't happen. Like, you're not supposed to do that to a schizophrenic person. Yeah, it's not good for their mental state. They don't know that. Exactly. And then they don't trust you. Mm-hmm. So if they don't trust you, you're not going to convince them to do anything. Like, mm-hmm. you're not going to be like, hey, why don't you come with me to the hospital? They'll be like, I'm not getting in your car. You don't believe me. You're one of them, you know? Mm-hmm. And then as soon as you are part of the conspiracy in their mind, they have, there's no there's, trust there. There's nothing you can do. Exactly. Right. And whenever in like, in a small town where we grow up, like, or where I was taking care of her and I grew up, like, there were, like, five police officers, maybe, like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so, um, I mean, there, there might be more, but it's just a really small town, so the same people are responding every Mm -hmm. time. She's getting the same people coming, one of them she actually went to high school with, you know, and he had, like, a nickname, I don't remember what it was, Chody or something, I don't know, probably wasn't Chody. Um, sounds like a police officer name, <laughs> Jody. <laughs> no, he had like a nickname or something, and um, and she's like calling him by his nickname. She's like Chody. Um, uh, you know, there there are people in the attic. There's people after you. There's people after me. And because he grew up with her, he was more sympathetic. You mm-hmm. know, he was like, he was like, I'm, you know, I'm sorry, but he still he still did not know what to do, right. and why is there not, why is there not a person that is, that is certified in some sort of mental health, like therapist, psychologist on call for people, for this instance? I mean, mental health They have that in some um, police departments Mm -hmm. where, uh, I forgot what it's called, uh, crisis intervention. Okay. Um, I know in uh, Atlanta PD, they have that so you can call for crisis intervention or you know just like they have people that want to commit suicide they have someone to talk them down they have that but i don't know if they're they have that every police department but i don't know even know if that's a person that's certified or like a doctor psychologist right psychiatrist i don't know Mm -hmm. but they do have that in some departments right but okay. they, I think that they should be the first ones called. Right. <laughs> you know, but right. if not, it's your call first. And right. then if you can't, you know, get them to um, come with you or, you know. Cooperate. Cooperate, then they'll call them. But you're the first person called. The officer, the police officer is the first one. Right. To the scene. And see know? that just, I mean, it just doesn't, it doesn't make any logical sense. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe at one time it w- it was like, okay, we'll just send 
send old Joe the police officer to the house. He'll take care of it because maybe Joe knows what he's doing, but like Bob and Bill don't like, they don't know what's going on. And they're, they, it's very easy, you know, and, and also it, I lost respect for some of the police officers when I saw the way they would handle my aunt. Mm -hmm. And I try not to be too, I guess, picky. Like, I don't want to be like, well, they're pieces of shit. They're not. They don't understand. But but it's still, like, I'm still watching them be kind of rude to my aunt who, who doesn't understand, who doesn't know any better, you know? And that happens all the time. And it's just, when I think about restructuring the police and adding, like, specialties, like, specializations in, in like, the police structure, the law enforcement structure, mm-hmm. I think it would just, it would it would revolutionize <laughs> the way right. things people, are done. Some people think when they say defund the police, meaning don't have police. That's not right. what they're saying. They're mm-hmm. saying exactly what you're saying. Restructure, put funds into other things that may help instead of putting all the funds in just police and they're not doing it right now. It's just not doing a good job right now. Right. It's just not going well. <laughs> it's just not going well. It's not going too well right now. <laughs> <laughs> you guys don't look good. Um, 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 so like with police brutality, uh, do you, you being a police officer, we'll we'll start with that part first. Actually, let's start with before you became a police officer. What was, what were your experiences with police? Mm. Uh, um, I don't think I had, I mean, from a young age, Mm -hmm. I had actually had a good experience with, you know, my mom, I don't know, I I can't say, I don't think she would mind. My mom was on drugs. Okay. I didn't know because it was when I was really, really young. So Mm -hmm. I didn't, I found out when I was older what was going on, but I did have a good experience, like seeing her talk to the cop and how concerned he was with her and all that. Mm-hmm. That's when I was like four, and I can remember that. Right. I can't remember that. Like he was really sympathetic to what she was going through. That's good. But then as I got older, <laughs> I don't think I had many good experiences with cops. That's why one reason why I really wanted to become one, because I felt like more people like me needed to be cops. Like we complain about it, but we don't want to be it. We right. want to crucify people like me that are cops and saying we're on the wrong side but how you know yeah how do you you could change it by yeah you can change it by understanding what you go through with you know what you the experiences you have had with the cops and changing people's perspective of how cops move you know but you have a lot of black people that hate black cops too you know like they just hate the whole thing about cops because their experience was so bad was so bad with the cops but I can't say even recently I had a bad experience with a cop I think I was telling you about I got pulled over um and I was in like a SUV truck I had my dog in a bag (laughs) like nothing I mean I'm a black girl with dreads I mean (laughs) my window was down I don't know if he saw me um but I feel like he did see who I was because mm-hmm. it was multiple people driving in the left lane. Pulled mm-hmm. me over and was like, yo, do you, um, he didn't say yo, but he said, uh, do you know that you can't maintain the left lane? The left lane is made to just, uh, if you're trying to pass. I mean, I didn't, I drive in the left lane all the time. Yeah. But obviously I didn't have, I was in Mississippi. 
Right. First of all. <laughs> first of all, you need to, uh, you know, learn the laws before you go to Mississippi, period. <laughs> but um, I was driving through Mississippi, and I was like, well, you know, I'm not from Mississippi. I mean, I'm not aware that that's not a law in Georgia or Alabama. Um, and maybe it is, but it's not, you don't get I don't think it's been passed in Alabama. I have heard of it, I think, in Tennessee and Mississippi. I've heard of it before. But can you really... But you can't enforce it like Enforce that. a law from someone that's out of state. You know, once you saw that my tag was out of state, my license was out of state, why not let me go? Anyways, this man pulled me over, and I was like, you know, I'm on military orders, had my military ID. He mm -hmm. was like, well, I want to... Um, I want to search your car. And I was like, why? Now, I didn't tell him I was a former cop before that. I was like, why would you want to search my car? Like, is there probable cause? Do you have any reasonable suspicion that I'm, I'm doing anything? Yeah. Like, you no know, smoke is coming out of nothing. Yeah. And he was like, because I can do that. I was like, why? Like, why do you think you can do that? And he was like, because I can and he was like, well, if you don't want me to search a car, I'm going to go get the dogs. And I was like, the dog? <laughs> well, I, got, I mean, I got a dog. <laughs> I have a dog right here in the back seat. He's like, well, put your dog up. I'm going to get it. I said, sir, I'm just letting you know I was a former cop. Yeah. I said, you know what you're doing is wrong. He got so upset, he threw my license at me. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this is during... COVID, like, when it first, the pandemic first happened, I'm like, why do you want to check my things? And you don't have any probable cause to, no suspicion that I'm doing anything wrong and risk getting COVID and put me at risk of getting it. Yeah. Just because you're trying to be an asshole. You mm -hmm. know, like, just because you're probably racist. You know, like, so, uh, he threw my, my ID at me and left. he like, it's not even worth it. I was like, it was never worth it. Like, <laughs> you it was, weren't going to find anything why anyway. Why you were not going to find But why do you feel like you can just violate my privacy like that? And like, you know what? Like, if you hadn't been a former cop, he would have he followed through yes. with it. Or if you didn't mention it. And he like, was like, get off your phone. I was like, no. You can't tell me I have to get off my phone. Yeah. Like, I'm answering your questions. And I'm being respect, uh, respectful. Yeah. And I don't understand why you want me to not record what you're doing. Right. And he was, he knew what he was doing was wrong. Right. So, it, even as a military person, like, yeah. I, I served my country, went to war and everything, you still would harass me. Right. Knowing that I did nothing wrong. Like, if you're going to give me a ticket, give me a ticket for maintaining the left lane. But... Why do you want to search my car? Yeah, there was no reason to search No reason. Car. So, it's those type of incidents that make people not trust the cops, you know? Right. So, if it happens to me, mm -hmm. you know it's happening to people that, you know, just a normal citizen. Right. Someone who, who can't, who, first of all, m most people don't really know their rights. Like, right. they don't know that they can refuse to have their vehicle searched if there's mm -hmm. not probable cause. Like, they don't know that. And, I mean, honestly... I don't know it, and I haven't had the I haven't had a reason to learn it. That's terrible. It's white privilege. <laughs> not having to because how many times have you been pulled over in your lifetime? You think I can't count. <laughs> I can't count. So you've been pulled over several times. Mm -hmm. I've been pulled over probably like five times, 
So I'm 25, you know, so between 16 and 25, I've been pulled over about five times mm. for speeding. It was always speeding. <laughs> <laughs> now, I have gotten three tickets, I think, and then I got um, two warnings. And I'm going to be honest with you. Like, the first time I got a ticket, I cried because I was, like, 16. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that I was speeding. I was going, like, 60 and a 30. <laughs> and, and like, I was running late to school. And where I live, I mean, it's got to be, like, not even a quarter mile from my house to the stop sign where he caught me. And I threw that shit in reverse, and I gunned it. And I was, like, going 60. So he caught me. Go. I think I actually was going, like, 63. Wow. <laughs> Whenever I saw him and looked down, I was like, oh, shit. And I, you know, go to slam on the brakes or whatever and stop. And he pulls me over. I didn't even go to school that day. I was like, I'm already late, and I'm crying. I'm not growing. Um, but, um, like, the first time I cried. But every time after that, I've kind of had an attitude. Like, I mean, I was never, I never cussed at him. I, like, rolled, like, I would roll my eyes or whatever. Uh, do you know what you were doing? Yes, I know I was speeding. Just write a damn ticket. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, like, instead of being yes, sir, no, sir, I wasn't always like that. Like, and I feel like I kind of have the ability to kind of just brush them off and be kind of, not that I should, I shouldn't shouldn't do that, but like if you were to be like, yeah, yeah whatever, like it would give them like just more That's fuel just to the fire. Escalate, like I always think when I get pulled over, like what if, mm-hmm. like it'll be a bad thing to kill a former cop, kill a uh, a veteran. Mm-hmm. It'll it'll be a bad thing, but I always think about that, like. What if this, you know, you never know who's pulling you over. Yeah. But that's something that you may not think when you get pulled over. I've never been, like, scared when I've been pulled over. Yeah, I'm... I'm I I mean, you get the rush when you're like, oh, shit, like, I think they saw me, you know, I think I'm about to get pulled over, and you get pulled over, and you're like, fuck. So you're... I've always been worried about the ticket. I've Mm -hmm. never been worried about the interaction with the cop. Never in my life has it... I mean, I just... I've never had to. And my, my mom... I, I don't know if you ever got the speech. I hear it all the time that, like, a lot of my black friends are like, yeah, like, when you're little, they're told, you know, yes, sir, no, sir, you know, face this forward, whole hands sir on thing wheel. is hard for me to say, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're like, you're, I mean, I'm one of you, motherfucker. No, ma'am and sir came from, I mean, I just read that, like, right. went back in the day when you had to say those things as a, as a black person. You had to say that to... So, like, even in the military, it's hard for me to tell, you know, a white officer, sir, I'd say it because I have to, but it's hard knowing the history of it. It's kind of hard for me to say. See, and I thought it was just because of them being a police officer. I didn't know it had to do with, like, black and white. Mm -hmm. Okay. But also a black officer, I I would have to say, sir, ma'am, to them in the military. You know, so I don't, I try not to think of it like that, but I always remember. Like, it always kind of. Yeah, so... But, yeah, I remember being 16, getting pulled over. I was shaking, like shaking. And it was a female officer. She was like, calm down. I'm just telling you your tail light is out. I was, like, so freaking scared, though. Like, I remember that that's my first time ever being pulled over. And you easily could have had an asshole cop, you know, Mm -hmm. to break you in the wrong way. To be like, oh, yeah, this is how all cops are. Mm -hmm. Because that's kind of how you... 
I don't know about everybody. I think that my first time being pulled over when I saw that police officer, I imagined every single encounter after that is going to be just like that one. But it's not. It's not. Yeah. I mean, I haven't had one that's been really that different. When, when I was in, when I was going to college at JSU, and I was like 40 pounds lighter than I am right now, and I was super fine, <laughs> I got pulled over, and, <laughs> and the guy, the cop was hitting on me. Like, he was like, yeah, so where are you from? And I was like, I'm from Decatur, you know, like, I'm, t- I'm like, I'm, I'm, at the time I was engaged and I was madly in love, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I am faithful to my unfaithful husband. Like, that is like, that's yeah, what I was You should have been like, what can I do for you, sir? To I know. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> um, but I, even then I was like, that time it wasn't speeding. It was like pouring rain. Mm-hmm. And I changed lanes because I was hydroplaning in the right lane. And I, I changed lanes. There was nobody on the road. Mm-hmm. But I changed lanes without using my signal. And he pulled me over. And what? so, like, he's over here trying to flirt. And honestly, he's trying to be kind of friendly, too. So I guess I should have been more polite because he was being friendly. Well, why are you be pulling people over in, when it's raining? And he was like, like I'm not pulling. <laughs> well, not it was a, I think it was a college town. Mm hmm. He thought that I was changing lanes because it was, um... You saw him. Uh, you saw the cop? He he wasn't even... I think he was on the other side of the road. Mm-hmm. If I'm remembering it correctly, he was coming the opposite way. So he, like, turned around to come mm-hmm. get me, you know? So it wasn't even like he was behind me. Um, I think he thought that maybe it being a college town and it was, like, a Friday or Saturday night that he thought I might have been drinking or something or, like, under the oh, influence okay, somehow. Okay. So I can see, like, where there may have been probable cause. Okay, because of what day it is and what town we're in, and she's changing lanes without using a blinker, I'm going to pull her over. I get that. Um, but I was, I didn't see it that way because I was, I had just gotten off my, my shit. Like, I worked. Like, I did not have any fun in college. <laughs> so I was like, you know, you should really consider that people might be changing lanes because they're hydroplaning. <laughs> like, I was like, a smart ass, you know. So, like... Other than him, all my encounters have kind of been the same with cops. Mm-hmm. Now, the first one was really fat and out of shape, and he was an ex or like you know prior service marine. You know, he's not an ex marine because once you're a marine, you're always a marine, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> but he was like, and I'm not. I shouldn't be doubting people like that. Like, <laughs> it's my devil dog out there. <laughs> he hears them. Yeah, he's like, hey, double dogs. No. That's another marine reference. Okay. Um, (laughs) I I sound like I'm really downing like military people. That's not my intent. He was that stereotypical like he probably became a marine because he was like maybe he was bullied in high school or something Mm -hmm. was not like he had that. A lot of cops are like that. Yes. Like. You may not see, like, you will only see the cop in their uniform. But right. just seeing them out, I'm like, dude, you are lame as hell. <laughs> and I know you were lame in, in high school <laughs> or probably college. And you got this now badge. Yeah. And you think you the shit. <laughs> and can I curse on this? Yeah. <laughs> you think you the shit and now you're using your power to feel better about yourself. Right. You know, like a lot of cops, a lot of cops are like that. Yeah. Like they get a gun and bad and think they, you know, but they were bullied. In right. And there's, a, and it's not the majority, but I will say it like a lot of cops, a lot of cops, a yeah. lot, a lot of cops. And I think kind of where we're at might play a role in that too. Like mm-hmm. in, 
I'm sure it, it may be different in different states, but in the South, it's kind of like a cop is a, a highly respected figure in the neighborhood. You you don't have to have a prestigious degree to be a cop. Mm-mm. So it's like when you're a young boy, it's usually a boy. When you're a young boy in school, maybe you're getting picked on. You're like, well, I'm going to be a cop because they can, you know, they're respected. Mm-hmm. So it's like in that area. Now, other places, I mean, cop, people probably become cops for different reasons. But here, it's like that's a very primary, like that's a very, that's like the first go-to that I think of when mm-hmm. I'm like, that's probably why they decided to become a cop. Now, we have friends like... Um, I don't know if he wants me to say his name. Maybe you can bleep it out. His and he's a cop in... Maybe you can bleep it out. <laughs> I don't know if we can say... And I would respect him as a police officer. Right. I mean, I respect him as a as, as, like a, per- a, yeah. as a person. Um, he's a white guy, but he always talks about how people think he's mixed. He's just a little dark-complected. Mm-hmm. He, he looks barely Hispanic, but people are always like, Oh, you Mexican. but um and so he talks about that all the time like and maybe that's why sometimes people of color feel more comfortable with him Mm -hmm. because he doesn't look like he's an Aryan person like (laughs) which I I guess I get it I get it um but he even talks to us and and people at drill like I remember he don't take himself too serious he doesn't and he's doing it for the right reasons like he doesn't need that 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 god complex or that that main he doesn't crave that authority or that mm-hmm. power. He's doing it because he had a hard life growing up. Like his mom was a drug addict and he his sister was a drug addict and like he he wants to be able to help the community and that's mm-hmm. the right reason to become a cop. Mm-hmm. Um so <clears throat> talking about your personal experiences with, you know, being uh before you became a police officer. Mm-hmm. Now being a police officer, did you, what did you see being on the other side of things? Like, you can talk about, you know, your fellow, like, the people you worked with, or, like, did you ever feel endangered being in a predominantly black neighborhood? And the reason I ask that is because, like, in movies, like, and because I have, I don't have a lot to compare it to, Mm -hmm. because I didn't grow up this way, but, like, in movies, if there ever is a black cop, like, they, they're like, well, even the black cop is scared to go into the black community. And I don't know if that's necessarily true always. But, like, in movies, okay. it kind of, it's like uh, the black cop is like, oh, you know, I'm terrified to, to pull over a black person. And I don't really like that, that connotation because I am very, like, I believe that black people are, are not more violent than white people. I believe that there are so many statistics that have them but, to look that in way. In both situations where... <clears throat> I've been kind of hesitant to, like, I remember one time I was behind a building, and mm-hmm. this white guy, he was just out there. He was looking <laughs> crazy as hell. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm just going to let you be. <laughs> yeah. I'm not about to go over here. Because I was, like, legit, like, he was acting like he was insane or something. And I'm just like, Nah. <laughs> I mean, you you ain't called the cops. I'm not about to go and look like I need to figure out what the hell's going on. And you like start coming to my car. I'm like, I see you. Like, that that's wrong. But I'm like, if he called the cops, he, I mean, I'll come back. But no, <laughs> like, so, he was just acting crazy. You don't know. He could have been like acting out of play or something. And I don't think necessarily in a black neighborhood that they just want to like. I I would be more so afraid in this 
it's probably wrong to say that a that a white person would kill a cop versus a black person. Black people just want to get away from doing a crime, you know, like right, okay. And like, I feel like white people have this, and it's a stereotype too that they'll blow some shit up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> and so they don't understand how y'all think of us. Is and we think in some certain ways of y'all like y'all blow you know you go to schools and and then but we're violent right like we we kill each other and we do this and our neighborhoods are full of drugs and da 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 right but we not we're not about to go and kill a bunch of kids in the school you know right you know so it's a different <laughs> side it's really different sides to it where yeah. it's stereotype on each side you right. know what I'm saying so it's kind of messed up for white people to have that you know and then completely forget about what most white people do right you know what i'm saying it is it is definitely like um i i never thought of it that like i never thought of it that exact way before how and this may also have something to do with like the white superiority of things like like, we've kind of gotten too big for our britches sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I feel like maybe a white person might be more likely to retaliate. So, like, if they are being, um, if they are being threatened or they feel like the police are after them or something, they may be more likely to try and fight back. And I never thought about how black people usually run away. And it's because they're fucking terrified. Yeah, I mean, they flee and sometimes they're terrified and sometimes they have done some shit that they don't want to go back to jail for. Just right. like the Rashad, uh, I forget his last name, the one in um, Atlanta, mm-hmm. they, um, he had just got out of jail. So he didn't want to go back to jail. So he fought back with the police, mm-hmm. not to try to hurt them, but he was just trying to get away. So he wanted, like, go back to jail he'll be in there for a long time it wasn't because he wanted to kill them right i mean they killed him right in the wendy's do you know i don't know the specifics of that can you share it so he was in a drive-thru i know Um, of it i don't know the specifics he was in a drive-thru and he was holding a line up he was drunk Mm -hmm. dui case and um so they called the cops on him, like, you know, I should we try to get him up to move, and he hasn't. So he eventually got up. By the time the cops came, he was in a drive, a, a, a um, parking space. Okay. And when they started questioning him, he was being respectful, going back, you know what I'm saying? But when they started to try to cuff him, you know, he was like, I can walk to my, my cousin's house. I can walk to my sister's house or whatever. And they were like, you know, they were trying to send him to jail. Right. Uh, and he had just got out of prison. A prison? Right. or Yeah, he had just got out of prison, so he wasn't trying to go to jail. But I feel like during that time, that's just when, like, George Floyd had gotten, gotten murdered. I just feel like in that incident, your cop, the escalation should have, like, kicked in. Right. Okay, we already going through this. Right. Um, cops don't have really a good name right now. We're trying to gain the, the trust of the community. Uh, even if they would have just, you know, look, let me just drive you to your, your sister house. Right. That's officer discretion. Like I can choose if I want to take you to jail or if I feel like I've seen plenty of cops that throw weed down a sewage and just let the person go. Like you could, you can deescalate the situation like that. Right. But then they didn't, they got into a tussle. He got, he like got the best of both of them. 
Like, he was whooping their ass. <laughs> like, <laughs> throwing them down. <laughs> and it just escalated. He was playing. He, I think he had the taser. Yeah. But in Atlanta, they have two prongs in the taser. Right. They already tased them with one. He, not, the, I mean, he was trying to shoot them with one. And he, and he, um, he actually shot them. So they knew that he didn't have another prong to tase them in there. And they shot him as he was fleeing. So he died. Mm. Uh, so who knows what you would do in that situation. Right. I kind of like see both sides mm-hmm. too, but I definitely don't think it should have ended with him being killed. Right. So, yeah. I think what a lot of people get confused about is, oh, well, he fought back or, oh, he did break the law or like what I hear people saying and it really disgusts me, especially like when you're talking about somebody who has been killed. Like, mm-hmm. in general, this person has passed, so we don't need to be reveling in their mistakes. Mm-hmm. Do I need to fix that? Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <clears throat> like, but a lot of people are like, well, George Floyd was, they found drugs in his system. So he did this. It doesn't matter that he broke the law. Like, that doesn't, that's not the point. It should end in him going to jail, not it him being end killed. Him going to jail and not him being killed. Right. He was especially in like this one. There was force used. Like the guy was trying to fight back, and I get what you're saying. He didn't want to go to prison. Mm-hmm. He didn't try to kill the police. He just wanted to get away. Mm-hmm. Like he was trying to flee. Mm-hmm. He should not have died. And then you already know he's under influence. You know, right. like he. Yes, he handled you guys, but not, like, he threw you. He wasn't sitting on your neck where you, you had to, you know, like, he wasn't, like, he wasn't going to kill you. He was, right. he was, he was fleeing right. from you. And, like, the whole George Floyd thing. And I don't understand. I, maybe it's super difficult. I don't, like, in the military, we shoot guns, right? Like, mm-hmm. I've shot M9s, like, pistols and stuff, and I've shot, like, rifles. I think I could shoot at somebody's feet and not kill them. Like, I feel like... That's not what we're taught. Anyway. So you're taught to, like, shoot and If kill? you have to shoot, you're shooting to stop the threat. So okay. when people say that, like, uh, yeah, he had a knife, but you could have just shot him in his leg. No, ma'am. I'm not shooting you in your leg. Well, your life is different, too. But <laughs> yeah, I'm saying, like, we're shot. If you have to use your gun, you're... you're trained to stop the threat and stopping stopping the threat is basically killing you you know like i'm gonna shoot you till the threat is done like i don't know i shoot you in your leg you probably can still use your leg and come kill me you know like (laughs) you can use your other leg and come after me you know like so when people say that it's you know you you can't say that that's kind of like and see I've never I didn't know that like I didn't know mm-mm. well I mean I was like I guess they're taught shoot to kill like but I get that, from but... a fleeing suspect you shouldn't be using your your uh your pistol you shouldn't be using a deadly weapon to try to kill someone that's fleeing from you because they're not trying to they're not threatening is, is not it a threat, threat? they're not they're not no. a threat to you so why would I try to kill you for running away. Yeah. Like, if you ran away from me and I couldn't find you. And you're I'm, not a threat to anybody else. Right. That's like, I can figure it out. I get a warrant for your arrest and we'll figure out how to find you. And we'll, I mean, arrest you. You'll still be alive. 
Yeah. You probably had to do some years in prison, but your life, you know, you still have your life. You still have your life. And your, you know, your friends and family still have you. Right. Like that. But if it had, if you have to pull your weapon and use a deadly weapon, most likely you're going to end up being dead. Because I literally had to pull my weapon and stop a threat that I felt like was going to take my life. Right. So most likely... You know, when I mean, I had this little that argument with a lot of people. Like they'll they'll um repost a, a uh incident where the person had a knife mm-hmm. or a gun. Mm-hmm. They're like, why they can just shoot them in the leg? I'm like, okay, no. Well, no. When I when I think of like when I, I was thinking of more so like if they're fleeing. Oh yeah. Like why couldn't you shoot them in the leg if you felt like you needed to get them? Like, if it was somebody that If was, it's a threat to society. Right. And they're running away from, from you, you. Yes. Try to shoot at the legs. Now, if they're mm-hmm. coming at you, I get that 100%. Like, at that point... Even if they're a threat, if they have shot... Say, say if an incident, if that whole incident was he grabbed my weapon mm-hmm. and he shot at me. Ooh. And he was fleeing. Right. That's, prob- that's probably cause to shoot. Yes. To kill. You know, to stop to, the threat. You know, right. yeah. Yes. So, but he used a taser. You know, like yeah. a taser. You you were tased to be, like, you were tased, <laughs> tased for a reason when you joined, like, at the academy, yeah, right? Yeah, you tase, you're not going to die of unless you just continually, like, tase and tase and tase. I, I never seen anyone that just died from getting tased. No, it just you fucking know? sucks, I yeah. imagine. So, as far as your, like, your law enforcement career mm-hmm. um, kind of tell me the length of that. Cause you, you're not a police officer anymore. So kind of where did it begin and end for you? Okay. I was, um, I initially became a cop in Atlanta, the city of Atlanta, the, the city of Atlanta <laughs> is so diverse. I mean, it's diverse. It's a diverse city. So pretty much didn't experience anything that was just, racist or anything like that but I decided to go to Smyrna Police Department where I did where I experienced cops harassing you know black people right or just harassing you know like I worked at night and it's like just get out there and harass people (laughs) and I was just like I just did not want to be a part of it like so I was a cop in Atlanta for three years and one year in Smyrna and I just uh I was like I thought about just doing another department I was just like I just I'm tired exhausted I just don't want to do it um it just put a bad taste in my mouth and even those few black cops that were that worked there it's like they were brainwashed to mm-hmm. to harass too and i'm like that's not me they're they would never like me because i'm not gonna sit here and just harass people like right. are you getting an incentive of do- for doing this no like all night long and i i even seen a cop like arrest this student like she was a student she was going to school um in georgia but she was from mississippi so she didn't have a georgia license okay but she wasn't a resident. She was just going she to school. She was school there, yeah. She arrests her for not having a Georgia license. And I was like, do you realize that she don't have to have a Georgia license? She's temporarily here going to school, right? Yeah. And she was so upset that I said that. I'm like, you only want the approval. You're doing this because you want the approval of 
these people the and you, I mean, what if that's you? Like now, her parents have to come all all the way from Mississippi to try to bail her out, you know? And I'm like, why? Would she do it? Like, I mean, that's she, the only reason she was going to jail. Yeah, because she didn't have a technically driving without a license, you know? Like that's ridiculous. Right, and I just it was I. It was boring, first of all. <laughs> because for me, I didn't harass people, so I didn't get into I I zone patrolled. I didn't get into all of that. Like, let me pull you over. And sometimes I would because that's my job if I, like, see something happening. But I didn't just try to find something to just keep harassing people. Like, now, to this day, at, like, 12, 1 o'clock, 3 o'clock, I won't, I won't drive through Smyrna. Because I already know what they do. I mean, you might want to bleep them out. But I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. You know, like I had a, a sergeant. He was just so rude to me. And, and you know, they, I, I probably have the, they probably have the perception of oh, a black woman. She, uh, was you was you dis, dis, disrespectful to any, I said, anyone that talked to me like that and disrespect me, going to get the same in return. Right. So, like, respect is given to those who get it. Right. And so he did not like me. And he really harassed me. And so that's one reason why I just, you know, he ended up getting fired for the same reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so he did that to a, a Hispanic female. And she went to EEOC. And they didn't want that. What's you know, EEOC? Uh, equal opportunity. You know, if you... So it's EEO, equal opportunity. Uh, but you can't... Training. No, it's not. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's not, not training. training? It's not training. So in your state, yeah. You if you get harassed or again mistreated or not getting paid fairly, you know, like with you know, you can go to EEOC and file a claim against them and they'll investigate it. You know, the it's federal. Right. So she did that and once they figured out like they got the claim, they fired him. And I'm like, he's been doing that mm. to females. So he did that to me and it's just Oh. And he was like, are you dis- disrespectful to us? I'm like, no, it's just you. <laughs> I'm not I'm disrespecting kinda... you, but I feel like you don't respect me. Yeah, you, so I'm not going to kiss your right, ass. Right, and it's, I'm, it's never, I've never been that type of person. That's probably why people don't like me. <laughs> I mean, you can, we, you can give a story about my situation in the military. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, so... In our unit, like it's a it's a smaller unit because you have to be airborne qualified to mm-hmm. be in that unit. So there are a select amount of people in that unit to begin with. There are even fewer, like even fewer females. And to kind of put it in perspective, I always give like, okay, when you go to airborne school, that class is usually about three to four hundred people. I think we may have graduated with three hundred and fifty people mm-hmm. and only 14 of those were female. I think we may have started out with more. Like, we started out with more. It was either 14. It was 14, yeah. So, 14 out of, like, 350 people Mm -hmm. are female. So, when you take that down to a unit, there's, like, three females and, like, 50 men. And they are... uh, they, They kind of just expect you to have that. And so, like, I got there first. I got to the unit first. I'd been there for four or five years before you got there mm-hmm. and so they already knew me and you were airborne qualified. I was airborne qualified but I was also only an E4 but you were you became airborne qualified 
Oh, I went straight through training. So I went through basic training, AIT, and then I went to airborne school. There was Mm -hmm. no break for me. So I went through all of that training before I even got back home to my unit. So, Mm -hmm. um, so I was airborne qualified and it's like, they call airborne school like a gentleman's course, which is basically like, it's not necessary anymore. Mm -hmm. Nobody is, nobody's flying into a war zone and parachuting in with a gun. Nobody's like a fraternity. It really is. It's like a, and then it's like a rite of passage. Like you, you can only be cool with us if you're airborne qualified. So since I already had that qualification, I was already like in the in crowd when I got there. So airborne people, because they can bring you to the unit if you're not airborne qualified, but it's in your contract with that unit to get your qualification, to go to airborne school and become qualified within a certain period of time. Mm -hmm. So I'm still not airborne. (laughs) So (laughs) you're fine though. You're doing great. (laughs) It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. Like, because I came in a unit already 30 something years old. Right. And to, to go to airborne school, you have to, um, her dogs kind of got me off the good track, but, uh, to, to, uh, go to that school, you have to pass your PT test within a 18 to 21 year old age range, you know, like, and I'm already 30 something. So no excuse. I can't get in shape. I just really, you know, a lot of people there have been there longer than me without being everyone right. qualified. So it just, I, I really think it. But they did, like, they kind of already had, like, a lot of them uh, being older males, like, they kind of expect you to just have this, this sense of respect. And let me also, like, you're in E6, Mm -hmm. you're in E6, like, you are an NCO, a non-commissioned officer, that's a big deal. Like, Mm -hmm. you, you have rank. But you're not treated like the other male off, like other male NCOs. Mm-mm. You were treated like an E4, and sometimes they would talk to me and so, give me direction. So I was treated like an E3. <laughs> Pretty. I was in charge of her. <laughs> they would tell her information before they even come to me, and because I was so vocal about it, like I'm not going to take that. Like right. I've been in. The military for 14 years you're not going i earn my rank you know what i'm saying i may not be airborne qualified mm-hmm. but i've earned my rank right. you know like i went to my you know yes schools i passed them i you know you've you've I've done what i was i've been to some of y'all some of y'all haven't even been to war <laughs> and treat me like i'm an e3 you know like <laughs> you treat me less than you when you haven't even seen war before you know what right. i'm saying so I was very vocal about that. I was very vocal about that, and it put me on the radar. Pretty much, I feel like it put right. me on the radar to be like, oh, "How can we get her out of here?" <laughs> we don't we... like the women that speak up. No, we like the quiet ones. Right, and I'm not a, that woman. I I'm very vocal, and sometimes I probably should pick and choose my battles, but I feel like not in this time. No, maybe my child will, but I. Ain't. <laughs> well, I mean, no, I, I don't like I. I don't, I don't believe in the whole, like, silence thing. Right. Like, we got to speak out. And that's kind of, I mean, I know that we're kind of, we just kind of got on a gender role thing mm-hmm. there. Uh, and then talking about the military, but, like, with But it goes hand in hand, yes. really, like, with inequality, like, being a black female. Mm-hmm. So, that's two things. 
Right. They, and it's still a predominantly white unit, isn't it? Or mm-hmm. it was, I think when I got out, it was mostly white. We had like the, the smaller group of, mm-hmm. of black people. So, so yeah, being, being a, a black female is like, you're just, you are just the ultimate minority. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. We're not going to slide in that I'm gay, too, either. But. You're going to slide what? I said, we're going to slide in that I'm gay. So, that's three things. <laughs> yeah. you know, so. And uh, she's gay. Yeah, so we're not going to slide it in. So, it's, you know, it's been a a uh, journey. For sure. So, you know. Yeah. So, but yeah. So, with the police thing, like, I'm, like I said, I'm vocal. And um, he ended up, I mean... Karma come at you fast. He mm-hmm. he end up not um they end up firing him. So, you know, you only can get away with things but for so long. Right. Especially when you have bad intentions, you know, so that happened to him, but it just really just turned me off from being a cop. Like because, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I would love to probably do something federal. Mm-hmm. Maybe I would I would do that because, you know, it it was my passion to do law enforcement, but not on a uh, police department level. Right. You know, so. Well, that'd be cool. That'd mm-hmm. be cool. Um. So, like, do you have any interesting stories that you want to share about being a police officer? Anything funny or ridiculous or? I mean, you already told us about that that white guy that you were like, bye. <laughs> <laughs> I did it like two times. <laughs> no, like literally, um, one time. Uh, I was just, this before I knew how much stoplight um, tickets were. I mean, not stoplight, but stop um, failure to stop at a stop sign. Had I known, I would have been like, I'm not giving this ticket. I just don't believe in, you know, if it's not, if you didn't stop at a stop sign because, you know, and it's, it wasn't going to danger anyone. It's like, it's ridiculous. Just sit there and just wait for somebody to... To do your full stop. To violate, violate a traffic, I mean, to commit a, a traffic violation and just get them a ticket just because you want to meet it. It's not, a, it's not even a quota. Just so we can just put that out there. Police do not have a quota to meet. It just looks good when you write a bunch of tickets. Oh. And so I would just stop. And they feel like you're not being productive if you don't. Gotcha. So I was doing that because I was a rookie mm-hmm. and I would just stop it. You know, hiding out, and I would catch a bunch of people not stopping at uh, the stop signs. Yeah, and one dude, I pulled him over. I was trying to pull him over, and he was just—he turned, jumped out of the car as the car was still rolling. I was like, <laughs> "Which way do I go?" So, do I need to let the car hit somebody, or do I need to drive? I mean, follow him. You know, get out the get out my car and chase, chase behind him. him. And little did I know he had his friend in the passenger seat. But he it was like five lanes of traffic coming. I was like, I'm just going to. So this was like on the highway. Yeah. I'm I was a- imagining like a back road or something like. No, I was 10 to the car. I'm not about to jump in traffic for you. Yeah, no. Yeah, so, uh, I, uh, you know, I would rather him get away than... You know that his car hit a pedestrian or something yeah, and killed or like, him. Or yeah, or cause a pileup or right. something. Right. I was like, goodbye again. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah. 
crazy. I mean, my, uh. Do you think his passenger friend was like, like, he's riding along, he's like, oh, shit, man, the cops. And he left him in the car. And he's he like, left him in the car, like, <laughs> I mean, the car ended up being stolen. He had multiple, um. And he left his friend. in the car. That's so funny. In the car. <laughs> I'm like. I mean, he was really going to go to prison, probably, because his car was stolen, so car theft, he would have, like, multiple, uh, like, credit cards and stuff, so identity theft and all that stuff, so I probably would have jumped out the So he fled, and um, I just, you know, I called for backup. They went to try to find him, but I just was not going to run across traffic oh, to and get killed. Trying to chase after him. I, and I also didn't want, you know, the cars to strike a pedestrian or anything like that. Or somebody's house. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that's super dangerous. But I did not know that his friend was in the car. I mean, that's it was not just his rolling. Friend. It was just rolling down. That is not his friend. He left that man. I don't know who that man was. That was not his friend. <laughs> I would have thought, yo, if I'm about to get out of the car, you need to jump out too. The man just stayed in the car. <laughs> He didn't know what was going on. Was he just letting the car go? I think he probably did. He didn't even try to steer it. He was like, just letting it roll. <laughs> he let it roll. He eventually put it in, uh, you know, he eventually put his foot over there and stopped it. Because how would I have? I'd have been like, I was kidnapped. <laughs> it was crazy. Like, it was it's just a me. bunch of crazy stuff that happens, you know. Um, you see a lot, especially in a big city, you see a lot of stuff. So, yeah. I'm done with the cop thing. so earlier you mentioned how you were in mississippi and you were pulled over and he wanted to search your car without probable cause Mm -hmm. and you were like hey you don't have a reason to do this i'm a police officer i know you're being an asshole basically and he got all pissed and he ran off so you were a police officer so you knew that already what is something that you could tell other minorities that experience things like this? Like, is there, could you give them any advice? Could you give them tips? Now, I know things probably as far as laws, you know, from state to state may change. I don't know. But is there any advice like, hey, you can say this or you should do this? You can say uh, whatever you want. (laughs) Just so you know, you don't have, I mean, a a lot of cops get mad because you're vocal like that, which most people do. Like, when they called out, they don't like that. So, but... When you're confident and know your rights, that's my first advice. Know your rights. Like, like even you don't know have to know the law like a lawyer, but know what you can, what a cop can and can't do to you. Know what you can, you can and can't. Well, you can't say anything unless it's you know incriminate you. But you can say whatever you want to. But a lot of cops, it escalates when you. No, you're right. Unfortunately, like when you know what the hell is going on and mm-hmm. you state that back to them, they get offended by that and they es- they escalate the situation. So for me, what helps me is because I was a cop. Right. When I say that, so it's so much I can say to a civilian mm-hmm. to get them out of that situation because we know we have seen uh, what for uh Philando Castell, I think that's his name. You might want to blur it out. When he actually knew his he knew his rights, he was in a car, had his and told the officer, I have a gun. You know, and he went he told him to get it 
he went to get, I think he went to get the gun and the cop would still kill him. So it's not so much you can, it's like so much you can do or say to be like, you know, to not get yourself in that situation. You know, like, yeah, we said, put your hands on the wheel, make sure you have your license and registration there so you can don't reach for anything. Yeah, we can say that, but we've seen time and time again that even when you do those things, it still ends up in death. Mm-hmm. So it's so much you can't do. I, I mean, unfortunately, yeah, I want to so, say what you can say, but it's... So know your rights. Mm-hmm. Do you think, like, I mean, it's really popular right now for people to try to record police officers. Do you encourage that? or do you I think, do. I mean, Because I, who's going to know what the hell happened to you if something happens? I mean, that I think that's the only reason things are even coming to light right now. Mm-hmm, because back in the day, there was no... I mean, and it's been like that for a long time. And even with people seeing these things with their mm-hmm. own eyes, like, even with them being able to see this footage of George Floyd or mm-hmm. that family that was that was pulled out on the pavement and there was like a six-year-old little girl like hot pavement and that would would have happened and if we didn't have people videoing it it would have just happened to them and, and nobody going and we can say all you know this is what happened to me but who's gonna believe without a video you know True. but I don't know what we could do to stop this stuff from happening right when I think that the best thing to do is to pull just stop you need to have a site eval like for every cop on every department right um and you need to go through every family member and see if they are raising a racist family they might not if be they have association with association racism because yeah. i could say i can pass a uh a lot of take the tests i mean i've seen people pass and they really you know this is how did you pass and you really did do drugs like how did you say yes and you pass i was telling the truth and didn't pass <laughs> <laughs> like i have i have not passed one lot of take the test and i tell the truth on every one of them <laughs> like is not accurate so i feel yeah. like research need to be done yeah like dig into their you know their history of everything like they're um they say they do the whole social media thing but do they really you know yeah. like absolutely not so that's very important right like, what are you putting on your social media like what are you that says a lot about you <laughs> it right says a lot about you what are your friends, people you associate yourself with? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I can tell you that I don't associate myself with people like that and passed a lot of the detective tests, but if you're not researching, like, wh- who are my friends? Right. I'm associated with races or sexes or whatever people, mm-hmm. then more than likely, that's how I think, too. Yeah. So I think that that's very important mm-hmm. to change... I don't really know in this lifetime of me, like, my life that I would ever see change. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, my if I have kids, that it would happen. But I just, it's we got a long way to go. We like, do. a long ways to go. Right. Stop this. I mean, we come, I don't know, I can't even say that. We come a long way. We We have come, I think we're, like, in the thick of it right now. And I'm excited to see, I really think that things are going places now. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that, I mean, the Black Lives Matter movement has been a thing for a long fucking time. But Mm -hmm. it's, it's like trending right now. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that more 
because of the the video of George Floyd, mm-hmm. like I think that that really like kicked up emotion in white people that just really didn't understand. And I think that that's I've seen more unity this year than I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really important. Um, so I think that things are getting places. Of course, I'm not going to think that they're getting there fast enough. But um, I'm really excited to like see where this goes. Well, we appreciate people like you. You know, like yeah, we are tired. Like black <laughs> people are tired of trying to explain. You know. <laughs> why we feel the way that we feel or why things are happening the way they happen and why people treat us the way they treat us and how it makes us feel. So for someone to have friends like me and can educate people that you know, Mm -hmm. we need more people like you Mm -hmm. because you probably follow so many white people or closed-minded people Mm -hmm. and just for them to see it. Right. Even some, you know, some of them go against what you're saying but at least they can see it yes and it's just we're exhausted yeah we're just exhausted and i think the biggest thing is like because you know because we're trying to fight for you know black lives like black rights Mm -hmm. white people have to advocate for that like Mm -hmm. before there were women's rights before before women could vote men had to vote on whether or not they wanted women to vote Mm -hmm. you know so as you know, this is a racist issue. This is a, you know, black people are suffering and it's up to us, white people, mm-hmm. to to advocate for that and relay that message and push it out to other people and educate other people. It's, it's our responsibility. It's racial responsibility that we have to, to make this work. Like that's what needs to work. That's what needs to happen to make this work. Right. So I think that um, I think that, like I said, I'm seeing a lot more unity, so I'm mm-hmm. seeing a lot more people take that racial responsibility, and I think that's very important. Very, yeah. So, um, so yeah, um, I think this has been a really good talk. It I'm has. so glad that you we came. We can go on and on and on. We can <laughs> stop can right here. We talk forever, uh, but we're going to wrap it up. Okay. Um, but uh, this is a two-part uh, podcast with Dominique Lloyd, Dominique Denny, the Magnificent Lloyd. um so if you do enjoy this content please don't forget to like and subscribe and you've been watching the rain or shine podcast uh this has been the rain or shine podcast and in honor of our black lives matter segment we are showing some support to a local black owned uh restaurant called ramona jay's in athens it was delicious. Delicious. Yes. yes. What'd you have today, Danny? I had the five piece, don't judge me. <laughs> uh, was it? It was the like country style, like chicken. Wings. Yeah, it's just plain. And I put some hot sauce on it. But the flavor, it was so good. So, uh, really hot. Like they cook it on the spot there. Oh, it was so the fresh. Fries, I feel like they were Cajun fries. They yeah. Were so good. You can eat it without ketchup. But um, they, it was really good, really, really good. And I will come back again, yes. and I will eat there again. It, yeah, it was so good. <laughs> I, I got the same thing she did today, but before that, I got a grilled pork chop with like some greens and something else. I can't remember what my other side was, but I remember I ate the whole thing, and their pork chops are so huge and so juicy. Mm. You've got to go. And they also have like homemade uh, strawberry lemonade, which was delicious. I yes, had that today. That was good, yeah. So definitely check it out. 
And uh, thank you, Ramona Jays, for letting us uh, support you today. Ramona Jays, go eat. Support. Eat. Support. Eat. Eat. Support. Eat. Some pork? Eat. Eat. Some pork.